Today we answer the question as to whether the book or the movie was better. While discussing a failed theme park, we ponder the question anew as to how old you need to be to date, much less get married. We question the wisdom of a really long trip while pregnant, and then we venture across the entire universe, all on the way to answering the question, what is so scandalous about Christmas? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. We'll begin our quest in the most natural of all places, Jurassic Park. Okay, admit it, you didn't see that one coming. Well, maybe you did see it coming because there was the reference to the failed theme park up front. So maybe you got that. My wife, Sarah, often says that when I preach or teach, I'll begin so far afield of the topic that she listens intently, and probably a better word is fearfully, thinking that there is no possible way I can bring this thing back around. So you might want to stay tuned just to see what happens. It was probably about 1992 that Sarah took our three-year-old son on a shopping trip looking for my birthday present. They were in one of those large commercial bookstores, and she was talking to him about getting Daddy a gift when suddenly he let go of her hand, he took off running, and he ran to a bookshelf across the store, and he grabbed a book. Now, obviously, he knew nothing about the contents of the book he'd just grabbed, and my wife had never heard of it. But he was absolutely certain, adamant, that this was the perfect gift for his dad because it was a book with a dinosaur on the front. So Sarah bought it, not because she thought it would be a good read. She had no idea what it was about, but simply because our young child had shown so much certainty in his choosing. When he gave it to me on my birthday, I will admit I let it sit for several weeks afterwards. Assuming that any book that had been chosen on the whim of a three-year-old child and simply because he liked the picture on the cover was probably not going to be to my liking. Eventually, though, one evening, I finished whatever I was reading and had nothing else to read. So more out of desperation, actually, than interest, I started reading Jurassic Park. And needless to say, I loved it. I enjoyed it so much that it sparked a Michael Crichton, who's the author, a Michael Crichton reading binge for me, and I read everything he'd written. So it was with great excitement and expectation that I went to see the movie Jurassic Park when it came out the following year. As movies often do, I'll say it lacked some of the nuances and depth of the book, but it was, it was still really fun. I enjoyed the movie nonetheless. It also dawned on me as I was sitting in the movie that there was potential sermon material here. So when I got home from the theater, I immediately picked up the phone and I called my my father, who happens to also be an ordained minister, and I strongly encouraged him. I said, you got to see this movie. There's some powerful and really preachable stuff in it. And so within a couple of days, my parents went off and they saw the movie in the theater. Now, I have to tell you, I don't remember the follow-up conversation that I had with him after they saw it, so I will tell the story as my father tells it. 
So after he'd seen the movie, at some point we were on the phone with each other. And I said, how'd you like the movie? I was really excited. And he was politely unenthusiastic. My father's really a biography kind of guy when it comes to movies. And all he had to say was, the dinosaurs were really amazing. Evidently, as he tells the story, I was exasperated and said, you missed the entire point of the movie. The movie isn't about dinosaurs. The movie's about chaos theory. It just happens to play out with the use of dinosaurs. It's about complex systems being ultimately inherently unmanageable. It's about small changes having huge effects in unpredictable ways. In truth, I probably wouldn't have seen the movie in the same way if I hadn't read the book first. And I fully understand my father's reaction. This movie about a dinosaur theme park with real live dinosaurs was just so darn exciting and visually spectacular that it's easy to miss the message because the visuals and excitement were so overwhelming. And that, strangely enough, is a lot like Christmas. Okay, there are no rampaging dinosaurs at Christmas. I got that. But the similarities, I think, are still there. Christmas is a time so filled with spectacle that it's easy to miss the real import of what's going on. And what's going on is not about Santa or reindeer or elves, and it's not even about the tranquility of little baby Jesus lying in a manger. The real point of Christmas is centered around a scandal. And yet, we have so draped the day and the surrounding season in worldly decorations that we miss the underlying scandal that should be surprising us every time we think about it. Okay, so the scandal was clearly that Mary was unmarried and pregnant, right? Well, yes. Mary was certainly pregnant while being betrothed. And let me just do a little background here because we don't really have the equivalent in our society. A betrothal was really a contract entered into by two families with a commitment for their children to get married. And gifts were normally exchanged to seal the contract. It was not the equivalent of being engaged because it was a binding contract. Matter of fact, it was so close to being married the groom-to-be died during the betrothal period, then the woman was considered a widow. So the betrothal period was a time in which they were legally bound to each other, but didn't live with each other or have any kind of physical relationship. So yes, it was indeed scandalous that Mary was pregnant during this time. It was almost as strange that Joseph agreed to marry her after he found out. But in this case, those answers are correct, but they are not the major scandal of Christmas. Well, could it be that Mary was probably 12 years old at this particular time? Well, that's certainly scandalous by our notions, but it wasn't really scandalous at the time. According to the Jewish custom at the time, a young girl was allowed to become betrothed at 12 years old, which is why it was assumed that was her age. She probably was 12, 13, maybe 14, somewhere in that range. Scripture doesn't tell us how old she was. It's just the tradition of the time that helps us 
conjecture how old she probably was. And this would certainly be scandalous today. Actually, it would just be illegal today. But it was not at the time of Jesus. So maybe we feel like it should have been a scandal, but it wasn't. How about the reality that Joseph took a woman who was nine months pregnant on a 90-mile donkey ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem to go be part of the census? Okay, this one's mind-boggling, but not scandalous. All right, all right then. It has to be the virgin birth, right? And this one is actually absolutely correct and simultaneously totally misses the point. Wait, huh? Around the second century, a new doctrine became popular in the Christian church. And the doctrine was the perpetual virginity of marriage. Since sex was seen as something dirty and sinful, there were those in the church who not only believed that Jesus was born via a virgin birth, but that it was necessary for Mary to remain a virgin for the rest of her life. Which is interesting because both of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, not only say Jesus had brothers, they actually name them James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, are specifically named. So in order to preserve her purity, there were church leaders who said, well, yeah, but, but these kids who are, who are brothers of Jesus, um, they, were, they were kids Joseph brought into the marriage from a previous wife. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. And, and his previous wife had died. Yeah, that's what it's going to be. And he must have been a widower. And all of this convoluted reasoning came because it was just too difficult for them to believe that Mary and Joseph had a normal marriage and that they had physical relations with each other, as would a normal married couple. We are, as a church, way too obsessed with a particular aspect of Mary, and that is what physical relations she had and when. It's all about our obsession with sexuality and seeing it as sinful. You see, when we tell the story of Christmas, we never fail to tell the part that it was a virgin birth. And we always seem to tell the story as if the word virgin needs to be in a larger font and all caps and bolded. And that is where we make our mistake. The scandal of the Christmas story has nothing to do with the virginity of Mary. That's simply our obsession with sex. The scandal is to be found in the second word of that phrase, virgin birth. Birth. That's the funny part. That word doesn't feel like a scandal, but that's where the truly shocking, scandalous part of the story resides. Remember that we believe in God, one God. And this one God is not, as some people used to believe, part of the pantheon of many gods. This is the one and only God. There is no other. Now, allow me to emphasize this point for a second. The speed of light is 186,000 miles a second. And if you could travel at that speed, you would be able to circle the globe seven and a half times in a single second. And if you were able to travel at that truly amazing speed for, say, 
a hundred thousand years at the speed of light, you might just be getting to the other side of the Milky Way, our own galaxy. And it's likely that this solar system you have just crossed is one of many multiple trillions of galaxies. If you started venturing across all of known space, still traveling at that remarkable speed of light, you could travel for 90 billion years and still have billions of years left before you had crossed all of known space. Now, why do I tell you all of that? I tell you that because we believe that everything I've just described was created by God. How it was created is not the point. The point is that the inconceivably large expanse of space was created by God, which just helps me to emphasize that God is infinite and powerful in ways that are truly beyond our capacity to even imagine. And yet we believe that God, the infinite, decided to take the form of a single baby at a particular moment in time. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who coined the term the scandal of particularity. The scandal of this story, the shocking part of this story, is that the infinite God Almighty has taken flesh in the form of a particular individual. The absolutely infinite has willingly taken the form of the incredibly finite. And that's where we get so off track. We are so enamored with the sensationalism of the virginity that we miss the truly sensational news of the birth. How much does God love us? God loves us so much that the God Almighty, infinite ruler of the universe, took the form of a single human, born in the most limited way, just as we are, as an infant so that we might know that just as boundless as is God's nature, so is God's love for us equally boundless. God was willing to go to any length that we might know of that profound love for us, even being born. And that's the truth of the Christmas story. It is scandalous, and it is amazing. That's all for today. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Be sure to check me out on Facebook. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you want to get in touch with me, ask me a question, I invite you to do so. My email address is skypilot with three T's, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T-T-T. That's skypilot at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.